You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Happy Friday, and welcome to Speak <laughs> Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. My God, when am I going to get my old show out of my head? Uh, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Uh, it, the weekend is here, baby, and I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready uh, for an awesome show. I hope that uh, yesterday you had a chance or over the weekend, dig into the full two-hour interview I did with Art Browse. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, he said a lot of interesting things, not just about Baylor and Grambling, but about Patrick Mahomes and RG3 and Wes Welker and a bunch of people. Uh, so that's something for you to dig into if you didn't have the full time uh, yesterday. But today, I got another great show planned for you today. It's going to be you, me, and our contributors. Uh, we'll hear from Royce White. We'll hear from Steve Kim. Uh, Shamika's going to join us uh, at the end of the show because she's got a question she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy. And so we're going to try to uh, work that into the show uh, right before the approval rating with Uncle Jimmy. Uh, Shamika's got some question she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy. And so we'll see what that's about. Uh, and I've got a great topic uh, for us to start out on. But before I get that, we'll talk some Lakers. Uh, meltdown and Russell Westbrook with uh, Steve Kim. Um, we'll also talk about, uh, oh my God, I forgot the other topic I was getting to with uh, Steve Kim. It's not on it because we're not talking about NFL and the COVID policies. Uh, <laughs> but well, Delano has written a column about uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, the Supreme Court nominee, and basically how uh, Joe Biden has undermined her and, you know, Let's don't focus on Tucker Carlson's comments about the LSAT. But uh, we're going to start by uh, something I just discovered yesterday. Uh, one of my Twitter followers uh, sent it to me, and I found it very interesting. I guess a week or two ago, J.R. Smith went on the I Am Athlete podcast hosted by Brandon Marshall, uh, I think Antoine Walker. And, and there was another guy there that was wearing a T-shirt that said Ocho Science or something like that, but it wasn't Chad Ocho Cinco. And so I, I think maybe it was DJ Williams, a former linebacker or whatever, but uh, I wouldn't wear Ocho stuff. DJ, you're not that well known that, you know. Anyway, not taking any pot shots. And Antoine Walker actually looks like a former football player now, uh, a former offensive lineman. Looks like Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, they, I, I, don't, I don't want to disparage them because the I Am Athlete podcast is very good. Brandon Marshall has come up with a concept uh, where they engage in some pretty good uh, conversations. And they had one with J.R. Smith. And J.R. Smith said some fascinating things 
that I want to talk to Royce White about, and then I'm going to eventually connect what J.R. Smith said and what he's talking about to the, uh, the, the left-wing guy that they've kind of brought out of nowhere, and this is in the, on the news side, a guy named Ellie Mistall. Got the crazy white hair, black dude. Uh, he was on The View today, called the Constitution trash. Uh, he's been he, he's been running around kind of out of the closet like he wants to he wants to throw out the U.S. Constitution and rewrite it and have it be diverse, inclusive, and equitable. Uh, and so we'll we'll go from J.R. Smith to segue into that uh, with Royce White. But before I bring Royce in, I want to play this <clears throat> first clip, and it's it's kind of long. Uh, but it's J.R. Smith talking with Brandon Marshall and the guys on the I Am Athlete podcast saying some things that I believe I think are obvious, things that I have stated in the past, but it's fascinating hearing it from, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, J.R. Smith is a former NBA player, longtime NBA player, won a championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and LeBron James blew a championship, or at least blew one game uh, for, the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But shooting guard, a little bit crazy, all tatted up, has some emotional issues or whatever. But he's actually occasionally really smart. Listen to this. And my biggest move right now is trying to uh, change as many minds that look like us into the back into the Afrocentric mindset opposed to the Eurocentric mindset. Like everything we talking about right now, like he was just saying, after he jumps on that grenade, who's gonna follow him? We're so trained and it's so embedded to have that Eurocentric mindset that worry about myself, worry about me, worry about minds, worry about minds. I'm not gonna help nobody else who look like me build up when everybody else do it but us. When you make when you made over a hundred million dollars in your career, right? Is hundred and five gonna change? 110 going to change your lifestyle? Realistically. You know how many people you can change lifestyle with $10 million in our hood? In our communities? I tell I, we were in the lockout. We were in the, uh, not the lockout, but we were in the, uh, in the bubble. George Floyd happens. That's right. We stopped playing. We in, we're in there. We go, oh, we're going we to ask the owners for it. We're going to ask the owners for it. Stop asking them for shit. Huh. What are we asking them for? I went down the line, no bullshit. And you can, you can show, you can show, you can ask these dudes if not. I got Paul George sitting right here. I got DeMar DeRozan sitting right here. I got Russell Westbrook sitting right here. I'm literally sitting next to all of these dudes who are LA guys. I'm like, bro, I'm not counting your chips, but everybody else is. So you make 200, you make 200, you make 175, you make 150, you make 180. Why don't y'all have your own gym? Why we gotta go to Why we gotta go to UCLA to work out in LA every time? You got your own. You got y'all all come from the exact same community. You 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 want to inspire kids that look like you? All it takes is five of them. Five. 250, 250, 250, 250, 250, 250. What bank gonna turn us down? We about to build this whole shit out for our community. We gonna build gyms, rec centers, start leagues, and all of that. Who gonna, who's gonna stop us? We got the money. We don't have the mindset. Our mindset, we'd rather go throw $60,000 in, in the club, in the strip club. Go throw $60,000 than go feed 2,500 people in the hood. 
Think about it. I've done it. I've been, I can't. I can't sit here and be like, oh man, I'm a hypocrite. I've done this myself. I've thrown money in the club, literally, blindlessly, aimlessly, drunk at a ball, and now I sit back like I'm a stupid ass. I could have fed my whole community ten times over with the money. I was just late on the bus. Right. Cause I'm so wrapped into me. I got that Eurocentric mindset. I need this designer jacket. I need these jeans. I need this book bag. I need to be looking like this cause the vets got this thing. I'm pushing this car. I'm doing, why? Who am I impressing? I'm not even fulfilled with me. Phenomenal. And for some reason, we're running a picture of J.R. Smith looking like on a golf course, but he was a great basketball player. But just phenomenal what he just said and talked about. I think that's J.R. Smith. But uh, f f phenomenal what he just said. Although there are some glaring errors in what he just said. And that's why, but, but I want to start with the positive. He has said things that I think many people with common sense have said over and over and over again. Hey, you athletes, he says when he's pointed Paul George and Kawhi Leonard or, you know, whoever he said he was, Paul George and Russell Westbrook and DeMar DeRozan, what he, he said, you've made 200 million, you've made 150 million, you've, you've made 180 million, what, whatever the numbers he threw out. And he goes, you're all from LA, you could pull your resources and do whatever you want to do in LA. Rather than looking up to the owner Hey, what are you going to do? Do something for us. We can't do anything for ourselves. J.R. Smith, in retirement, long after he's blown a bunch of money, doing dumb stuff, has figured out, like, no, you're capable of doing things for yourself. Why don't you? And then he said the most honest thing, and then if anybody else says it, oh, they're a sellout, they're an Uncle Tom, they're uh, uh, a white supremacist. But he said, you know, I look like, sound like, and what I was doing made me look like a dumb N-word. That's a real, honest statement, conversation they were having. And that's why hats off uh, to Brandon Marshall and all those guys involved with I Am Athlete and that podcast, they're finally moving the conversation a positive direction. And so my initial thoughts, and again, it's, it's a full hour, hour and 15 uh, minute video or interview, and there's a lot to it. And so not all of it is directly on point, but man, I was impressed that they were even having this conversation. So I just wanna start with the positive and the affirmation of Thanks for having a conversation, JR. Thanks for keeping it real. And, and I, I wanna bring Royce into it because he moves in those circles, the basketball circles, the athlete circles, where these guys do have and have made all of this money. How many of them do you think have the kind of conversation, and I think many of them do, have the kind of conversation that Brandon Marshall and JR Smith was having, but and realize everything that J.R. Smith is saying is true, but won't do anything about it. 
Royce, do you think what J.R. Smith, his mindset and what he's talking about, is that commonplace among athletes, even though they don't express it publicly? I think a lot of athletes have those conversations. I think there's a huge difference between theory and practice. And, you know, shout out to J.R. Smith, man. I, I mean, I, I didn't watch the entire interview, but I saw that portion of it. And, and I absolutely love uh, what, where his mind is. I think, you know, part of this entire problem that we have with black athletes in the black community is that we don't really have a community. We have a bunch of people who look similar that live in, in particular places. That, that's not a community. You're not a community unless you actively are helping one another try to uh, achieve a, a better standard of living, a better way of life, security and opportunity. And we've really failed in that as the black community. Um, and part of that is is centered around the fact that we, we have we're, we're identity less. We don't have an identity, right? We've kind of forsaken this American identity, as you alluded to in your intro, where people want to throw out the Constitution. But but all of the value that we hold inherently for being born in this country comes from the Constitution and being a citizen. And there's two ways that you exercise that. You exercise that through your vote and through your dollar. Now, there are other ways to exercise that, but th that's the fundamental basis of how we exercise that. So, you know, I think we've squandered both. We've squandered our vote. And we squandered our dollar and, and we don't understand the value of ownership and equity. And so to, to, to one of your points that you made about the George Floyd situation and the players asking the owners for something, here's where I would deviate. I, I wrote a letter to Kyrie Irving uh, that was entitled Operation Black Bank, and it was published in, the, in Sports Illustrated. And I think that it was rightful for the players to come together and have an ask because the NBA was surely going to use that moment to try and cash in on the social capital. And so if the NBA was going to try and advertise that moment as where Black Lives Matter, which they were going to do irregardless of whatever the players asked for, then they better have to pay to play because that's how America works. If we're the black community and our skin is going to become a commercial endeavor through Black Lives Matter and this liberal media establishment, you're going to have to pay to play and we're going to decide where that money should go. Now, what they did was squander that opportunity. And what I told Kyrie Irving is instead of putting some arbitrary number towards you know, a social justice coalition. Why not just come out and ask for the money to put a black bank in each community? And and to J.R. Smith's detriment in his piece where he, why don't you guys have a gym? Who cares about a gym? And, and I'm not knocking him, right? I understand what he's saying, and that's kind of just his background. But what I'm saying is, if you work from the but, top but Hold down, for one second. Yeah. Don't lose your thought, but I do want to defend J.R. in this aspect. He's saying that Having our own gym is also an investment in us. We, we go to UCLA, kids come around to see us working out and things like that. Why don't, th this is our content, our bodies, people are interested in seeing us play. Why don't we have a gym so that when uh, we do a summer league event or what, like a Rucker League or what, I, I, the Drew League out in California or whatever, we could actually do it at our own gym and then have it there as a, a help, a service to the rest of the community. I don't have any problem with him staying in his lane. He's an athlete. How, he's trying to figure out how we can maximize what we do while it works for us. And again, there are bigger things to do, but at least he's thinking about things he can do that work for him and could work for the community. 
And I totally feel them. And I think we should have our own gyms. I think we should make investments in our community. But what the black elites in our country have to understand, and many of them are the black bourgeoisie that have sold this out. And it's not by accident that they sold this out. But here's what we have to understand. Our entry point and access to capital comes through, sorry about that, comes through basketball players and other entertainers, right? Th this is where our access to capital is, 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 is sort of galvanized. And so it does become incumbent upon these black basketball players, entertainers, actresses, comedians, people who get that access to large amounts of capital and credit to expand what their lane is because we don't have those traditional businessmen, bankers, attorneys, real estate property moguls that understand how you build wealth. And so in and, and the way that you build wealth is through ownership. And, and the other way you build wealth is through access to credit. Okay, so once you build a bank, and, it, and listen, he said 60,000, and we're talking about $100 million contracts. It's only 12 to $15 million to build a bank. It's not even that expensive. Okay, so you build the bank first, then you can build the gym, then you can buy the property and the land. But, 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 but Royce, I, I just, I wanna defend JR because I got some criticisms of what he talked about, but I wanna defend JR. He's on a journey. And just, you gotta remember, he's running the same marathon as you, except you're on mile 24, he's on mile one. And what I'm celebrating, just want to uh, express positive energy toward, he's entered the marathon of life. He's on the journey. If he wants to start with a gym, trust me, when he's on that path, now he's attracted a Royce White to say, oh, well, let me go engage with uh, J.R. Smith and, and help him catch up to see what, gym is great. But as we move forward, let's make sure we have a bank and we keep recirculating our investment dollars in our community and we keep it all within us, uh, our community. That's, I, I, just cause you're on mile 24, don't look back and the people that are just starting the race and be like, come on, how come y'all ain't up here with me? Wait a second, wait a second. I got nothing but love for JR and what he said and I think he's on the right track. My point is not to say that he is mistaken or off the track with his position. My point is to actually use him as a way to point to all of the people who have been given access to larger amounts of money in a platform to talk about things that are in no way going to uh, change the circumstance of black America because they're anti-American. LeBron James and a number of other types of people we could mention. So I don't have a problem with where J.R. Smith is at. I think that we have to understand that even J.R. Smith's little entry point is breaking through the crack. It's, it's squeezing through the crack of a narrative that, that, that's been captured by a liberal establishment who has no interest in what J.R. Smith is talking about. And that's why a message like that would, would actually squeak through the cracks if a person like you didn't promote it and highlight it. And we have to be mindful of that. And as the black community, we have to understand we're in a crisis and it's here right now. And we're on the brink of World War III. We don't have 24 more miles to catch up to where the rest of America is. The future of America may actually depend on black America in many respects. And us coming around to being a real force and demographic in this country. We don't have all the time in the world. Well, Royce, I certainly agree with that. I think that uh, so-called black America has been critical to the success of this country 
for the entire time and not just through labor. Uh, I, I think we served as America's moral conscience for a long time and kept our, uh, our moral compass on the right track. And that's why our moral compass has been perverted. It's been intentional uh, to remove the black man from any sort of morality, any sort of relationship with Jesus Christ and God. This is all intentional. And, and JR, and again, I want to play another clip from JR. This is a shorter one. It's about 40, 50 seconds. But, but he, he, he gets at exactly what I'm talking about in terms of our moral compass not being set accurately. And, and so play, play the clip. I'm putting people, young brothers who look like me, in a worse situation. Because they looking up to you. They look up to me. So when they think, oh, this is cool, this is what they said he did, he did this and that, he did this, he threw soap on, uh, soup on a coach or whatever, they think that is cool. Look at what we glorify. Strip club, getting high, sell, setting people up, killing people. Like, look at what we glorify. And they put millions and millions of dollars into this. Record labels put billions of dollars into this and sell. And we still get raped off of entertainment. I, I this I gotta celebrate this dude. I, I, I just have to. He's a light bulb has gone off. He had a great relationship with his dad. He talks about that uh, during this podcast interview. His dad planted some seeds in him. He, Jr. went astray, and and now these seeds are starting to blossom, and he's coming home. And him and his dad's relationship—not that it was ever terrible, but it's like rock solid because his dad's seeing the growth. But but th this is—I talk about this constantly. Like, what are we feeding the young people? What example are we setting? And, and, and the, the point you made about, like the entire purpose of this show and why when I run into someone like you, I'm like, oh my God, I, I gotta celebrate this person. I gotta try to do whatever I can to help spread his reach is, is because I know the essentialness of black people and our journey here in America in protecting the American journey and being the land of opportunity and freedom. And, and when I see so many people, and, and this is where I would just be slightly critical, and this is where I had the problem. He kept talking about an Afrocentric mindset versus a Eurocentric mindset. And, and we need to get back to the Afrocentric mindset. And I, I just wish and, and hope that he will eventually understand uh, there's a biblical mindset and there's a satanic mindset and that's really it and it doesn't matter what color you are and 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 when if you like really understand the founding documents of this country and again i talked about this yesterday or, or the day before that even though the people that wrote it were flawed they knew that they were flawed and they came up with documents that recognized their flaws and injected God and biblical principles into those documents so that America could improve and be better. And so I, I, I just, the whole, act, because again, at some point he's saying, we got this Euro mindset where it's all about us and just gratifying ourselves. But then he points to white people and says, they built this for themselves. They've invested this in themselves. They'd, and so I'm like, hey, you're contradicting yourself. The, the, we've been injected with a very hedonistic, materialistic, immoral uh, mindset, 
and then black people, and then there are Christians, black and white, who, who are saying, no, th that, that's the wrong path. We have to go back to what the founders of this country actually wanted us to do, the path that they sent us on that eventually ended slavery, ended uh, legalized discrimination, and, and you know, in terms of correcting individual hearts, documents and countries can't do that. All they can do is protect your freedom and try to take laws off the books. Anyway, I, I'm going too long because I, I really want to hear from you, but that was where I thought the mistake was just framing this up as, you know, we need a black mindset as opposed to a, a white mindset and I'm not sure if he's fully thought that one through. It, it, it's an easy one to fall into. And, and don't get me wrong. There, there's nothing wrong with being amenable or even favorable to people of your own community. I think that, you know, one of the things the liberal movement has done and hijacked is this idea that charity can be a world away. Right. But, but biblically, charity is there's an order to charity and the order to charity is those that are closest to you, those that are more that are most remote to you. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, listen, I'm a black person in this country or I'm a white person or I'm a Jewish person or Latino or Somali or whatever the case may be. In, and I'm going to look out for my community first. It becomes a problem when you say nobody else's community matters. That's that's just racism, really. Um, but but I think it's easy for black people to fall into that as a as a as a first step in this idea that uh, we have sort of fallen into this hyper materialism. Right. And, and that's what we're talking about here. We're a hyper materialistic culture. And 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 when you hear and, and part of my problem with it is I understand how these athletes who have risen to the top of, of having public platform have been kept from these political ideas. And it hurts me. It, it hurts me. It saddens me that that my fellow athletes have been kept from these political ideas. And and a person like J.R. Smith probably isn't even understanding of what the liberal agenda is and things like the Great Reset, where they say, you're going to own nothing and be happy. All they're saying when you hear people say you're going to own nothing and be happy is we're going to make the material high so good. You're That's what they're saying. Right. And, and and they're not shy about it. The question that the black community has to really ask ourselves, and we have to be very honest about this. Are we more invested in the high than we are us having a very fulfilling American dream? Because a lot of us do like the high. And I think that's what J.R. Smith very courageously uh, admitted to that. Hey, even me, I was invested in the high at one point. And it's good to see him come out of that. I'm happy for him. Um, I just hope that that we can instill this in younger black folks earlier, because a lot of people do look to them. And it's not just black people. It's not just young black men, but young men, young men, young women look up to these star public, you know, uh, uh, idol type figures for their ideas about the world. And if we can get more people to break out of that mold earlier on, uh, we can really change where this country is headed, I believe. So shout out to J.R. Smith and thank you for, for showing that. And so you mentioned about an American identity. And again, that, that's right in line with what we're trying to uh, promote on this show, is that there's nothing wrong with having an American identity. And, and, and somehow thinking we have to have an identity outside of America. 
so many, again, we love to talk about the sacrifices our ancestors made for us to vote. And I really, my understanding of, of history, like Kunta Kente wasn't running away, and I know he's a fictional character, but slaves weren't running away. It's like, I wanna vote. They were running away because they wanted freedom, right. and they wanted American freedom. And they wanted to be treated just like everybody else in America, and they wanted to enjoy that freedom. And so we, we've now like demonized an American identity and, and, and people are constantly talking about rewriting the Constitution. And, and again, they're usually very subtle about it, but now they're starting to come out of the closet, they're comfortable with it. And, and this does not serve our best interest as black people. I'm try we had, uh, I don't know if you know the minister, Vadi Bolcom, he was been on this show, guy's brilliant. He lives in Africa, has you know traveled the entire globe, and he talked about on this show, the standard of living for black people in America is higher than the standard of living for black people any place else on the planet. We're more safe, we have more rights, we have more freedom than any place on the globe. What are these people talking about? This system, these documents are working. It's like, do you want to invest in that system? And I'm sorry if the, the, you know we've turned this into a curse word in this society for black people. Do you want to assimilate into that system? Because if you do, you'll have success. Because trust me, that's what Barack Obama did, and it got him all the way to the presidency. And and but we've demonized that. I want to show you these clips. I think we got two different ones uh, from this clown that they are promoting all over uh, corporate media. Ellie Mistal, I, I, you know, he's written some book. Uh, I, I don't, I, why he now is the go-to and somehow a voice of black America, I, I don't get it. Uh, but here he is, I think, play these clips back to back. I think one is from today on The View, but I think the first one, uh, he was on some cable news network. Play that one first, then play from The View. Are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? <laughs> sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, yeah. like, like, if we could throw that out and, and start over with a new document that was more inclusive of everybody, that was written by everybody, at no point have black people, brown people, or women had a say in actually writing the Constitution or the amendments to that Constitution. If we could throw that out and have a delegation of all Americans to write a new one, I would be all for that. Okay. That's what they did in South Africa. You know, when they got when they got rid of apartheid, they didn't like tax some amendments onto their apartheid constitution. They threw the apartheid constitution out and they started over. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, and so instead of that, what I'm really advocating for is that we interpret our constitution so that it so that we extend justice and fairness and equality to all as opposed to whatever the heck we do now. Some will say, okay, so are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution? Should the Constitution be thrown out? What do we do? Is it a living document? Is it a, or is it a sacred document? It's certainly not sacred, all right? The Constitution is kind of trash. <laughs> now, let's just, again, let's just talk as adults first. What did you say? It's what? It's kind That's of trash. Trash. It was, it was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody to look like me what they thought about the Constitution. See, that last part is not a comment about 
the actual Constitution. He did not back up why the Constitution is trash. He, he trashed the people who wrote it as if the, the, the sum of man's sins disqualifies them from ever writing anything true or great. If that is accurate, nothing I've ever written is valid. Nothing I've ever said is valid because trust me, I am full of sin. He thinks their degree of sin trumps my degree of sin, trumps his degree of sin. He thinks he's this perfect human being and he and a few other people, elites, they can get together and we're much smarter than those people from the past and it's all a joke to me. The, you know, he's sitting up there with all this gray hair and he, I guess he looks the part like he's some smart guy, but he sounds like a freaking idiot. I said this yesterday or the day before, you know, we love to look back at a time when slavery was a global uh, standard and, and slavery has been in existence in the world since the beginning of time until today. But we like to look back, oh, those people back then, they did. and I keep telling them, one day, God is gonna look back and say, man, in America, they promoted abortion like it was some sort of sacred right. The ability to go stick some tubes up and snatch a baby out of a woman's womb and crush it America saw that as some sort of sacred right and people stood on that and, and it'll be very interesting what God, who, who he has the harshest judgment for, some, a slaver or people that co-signed abortion and participated in. So I, I, I say all that to say we're no better than them. They're no better than us. They just happen to write a document that has put Ellie Mistyle in position to sit on TV and make money for being an idiot, and for me to sit on this show and be an idiot and make money. I, it, your thoughts? I mean, I, I just, I, I can't even believe that people like this end up on The View. I mean, this is, this is what I'm talking about. It's, the, the View is not a neutral show. Before we even get to that, the United States Constitution is a self-perfecting document. Once you make account, once you make good on the, the three-fifths of human, you now have a, a very, very powerful and divinely inspired document, okay? And, and it was the document itself that was used in the liberation of slaves and in the, the constitu Constitution or, or in uh, sort of in, in implementing the Civil Rights Act and all the other rights that have come along after it. I think what we as the black community have been deprived of is a good historical knowledge and that history and the iterations of history work beyond the time horizon that we see or that we want to script it towards. And nobody can excuse slavery, but here, here's, here's how you know that the liberal establishment, like The View, for example, is just outright lying to people, okay? The most racist, the most racist sentiment in our modern culture is the Great Reset. It's globalism. Right. It's, it's this idea that black people in this country that we bled, you know, sweated and, and cried for to build without fair compensation should just give up our American citizenship now for some global citizenship. This fantasy of a global citizenship and a global uh, government, a global society. 
There's nothing, and they're not asking us, do we want do we want that, all black people? They're taking a few select black voices who are in on the grift and using them to misrepresent all of black America as a monolith. That's racism. And, and here's the real problem with it, on a fundamental level. If you have a problem with slavery, then you should have a huge problem with globalism. Because what globalism aims to do is create an open market, no border, free trade of human labor. They've just moved the Overton window of what slavery looks like. They want all of us, all of us, they plan to be slaves in the future, which is why they say you're going to own nothing but be happy. This is a this is a, prolif a proliferation or blowout of the welfare system into a modern dystopian high tech subscription model. And guys like this are in on it. And, and I mean, this this guy I, who would take this guy serious. The only people who would take this guy serious are people who have been brainwashed, who are empathomanic, right? Liberal white women who are empathomanic, the LGBTQ community, because he talks in a tone that's that's amenable. It's it's it's, you know, feminine uh, and, and other people who are in on the grift, other black sellouts. This is ridiculous. I mean, look. The Constitution isn't perfect. What the Constitution is, is a document that allows for the control of power, right? The, the control of power to be able to amend itself going forward through a constitutional republic. And there's real value to that. And what they really want to do when they say they want to take out the Constitution, it's really just an attack on Christianity. Cut it out. I mean, they're not fooling anybody. If you get rid of the Constitution, which is one of the few constitutions in the entire world that has Christianity baked into it, then you get rid of Christianity. And nope, they're not fooling anybody. This guy's an atheist. He's an atheist. He's a pagan. He doesn't believe in God. And that's the globalist agenda. They don't believe in God. And not only do they not believe in God, they're not just atheists. They're anti-God. They have a disdain for God. Uh, Royce, I didn't mean to tell you this, to tell you what goes on behind the scenes, but this morning when I was talking about addressing this topic, I said, damn it guys, we gotta have Royce White. He's gonna knock it out of the park. They all started saying, no, no, I wonder if LeVar Arrington could come on. I wonder if we could get Brandon Marshall. Jason, don't you know Brandon Marshall? And I was like, no, Royce White will kill this topic. I had to talk everybody down. Uncle Jimmy was supporting LeVar Arrington because they're tight. Uh, I think Chris and Hadley, they wanted Brandon Marshall. I insisted on you, and I made the right call. And I'm joking when I say that. I, I was like, who should I? But it, <laughs> anyway, you just backed up my instincts uh, that I, it took me a time to arrive at. But your best work. Uh, it's, it's why it's an honor to have you on the show. It's why uh, I, I support you and just want to spread the gospel of Royce. Uh, man, that I got awesome. Jason. I got I got to get me me Jimmy and and, and Hadley. We got to go a few rounds, man. I'm not liking that. What what's going on over there? I'm I'm, I'm getting the shaft from Hadley and Uncle Jimmy. No, listen. Shout out to Uncle Jimmy, man. I love him, and uh, you know I, I support those guys. And and Eric, he might he might have done a good job, but but these are bigger issues that call for a bigger political scope. And I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. And in in reality. Those guys, I, I'm, that was me that had the second thoughts, but my God, listening to you, it was <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to put that out over social media. I can't people wait to see it. Uh, let me tell you about something else awesome. Good ranchers. Inflation is out of control, and we see that more than ever in a grocery store. 
Prices keep hitting new all-time highs for meat and seafood. Cooking and grilling at home used to be the way to save money, but with prices up nearly 20%, even that seems like a thing of the past. If you're looking to save money without sacrificing quality, then you need to check out Good Ranchers. Don't buy imported meat. Good Ranchers delivers delicious 100% American meat to your door. Great source, great price, great quality. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless right now. Use my promo code fearless and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now and combat inflation with Good Ranchers American Meat Delivered. Not just that, you're combating globalism and everything we're just talking about. And this is why I keep telling you guys, everybody said, what can I do? How, how can I help? We gotta push back. Let me come up with a hashtag. How about you just go to goodranchers.com backslash fearless, punch in the promo code fearless, and support an American company that helps American farmers and ranchers believes in what you believe in. If you want to be a good, fearless soldier, you need to be fee feeding your personal army good ranchers meat. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to segue into Delano, the smartest man on the show, uh, although Royce just gave him a run for his money. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about what we just talked about with Delano, and then I want to talk about his column about uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Next! All right, let's roll out to D.C. and talk to uh, Professor D. Delano Squires, uh, the smartest man on the show. Uh, however, Delano, I got to be honest, there's a, there's a challenger. <laughs> <laughs> Royce, Royce White wants the belt, man. My God. Uh, I don't know how much you caught of uh, the first block of our show, but the way he ended, I was like, mm -hmm. Man, he's been watching Delano, and he wants the belt. He, <laughs> I'm going to have to get y'all. What I really want to do, and I was thinking about it uh, last night, the day before, I need to bring uh, you. We need to get everybody back here in studio, and mm. I want to have a conversation about being a black conservative and uh, just among me, you, Shamika, um, uh, who I'm 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 missing so oh Dave Shannon uh mm -hmm. and and just I don't it may be like a, and Royce and just like spend three days just talking about that issue uh that, that would be fun but it yeah I I just I'm proud of all of you all and just you know you just run into people in unique ways and and I mean you guys make me smarter and I just love it. And so I, I want to ask you about what we were just talking about. Is I don't you probably know Ellie Mistal or whatever, and maybe yes. you know wh yeah. where he came from because it seems to me like he's. I remember maybe appearing on Melissa Harris Perry's show, but mm -hmm. his voice has been elevated uh, here in recent months, and now I kind of see him everywhere. And it's like he's replaced Cornell West as the public intellectual with crazy hair, uh, but he seems much dumber. He seems mm. far dumber than Cornell West. And, and so I want to play that last clip from The View, the, the shorter, tighter one uh, from The View. I, just 
want to replay it. I know you already saw it, but I just want to replay it, and then I want to get your thoughts. Some will say, okay, so are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution? Should the Constitution be thrown out? What do we do? Is it a living document, is it a, or is it a sacred document? It's certainly not sacred, all right? Constitution is kind of trash. <laughs> now, let's just, again, let's just talk as adults first. What did you say? It's what? It's kind I of trash. Trash. It was, it was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody to look like me what they thought about the Constitution. And so, again, th this isn't a conversation about the Constitution and why it's trash. It's a conversation about who wrote it. And so I would love right. to hear this atheist uh, idiot's thoughts on the Bible because those men were filled with sin as well. Just, you know, unless Jesus wrote the document, I guess we can just throw it out. And so let's throw the Bible out too. And that's why I thought was perfect about Royce's point is like their real end game is to throw Christianity out of American society because that document, the constitution is filled with biblical principles. But your thoughts. Yeah, I actually saw um, Ellie Mistal on a different show, and I, I retweeted it. Um, and to me, when he talked about tossing out the, con the Constitution, uh, I, he's not the first person I've heard talk about that. But I always laugh because um, folks on the left think that they can write a better document. And even with the benefit of 200 plus years of history, the good, bad and the ugly, seeing sort of the pitfalls of, of where man's ambition and blind spots and, and, and greed and all these other things um, can, can take you, they could not write a document that would last them more than two election cycles because they can't even define regular terms. What is a woman? How can, how can you have a constitution that um, prohibits sexism if sex and gender are social constructs and change, you know, based on what society thinks. Um, the, the most sort of profound, uh, you know, thinker, so to speak, on, on race is Ibram Kendi. This is a person that says that discrimination for the sake of equity, uh, again, a term that, you know, he uses basically to mean that all, all groups must end up in the same place as it relates to social outcomes. But discrimination for the sake of equity is good but discrimination that, that promotes inequity is bad. But how, how do you adjudicate that, right? So these are not particularly sophisticated ideas. That's why they go on these friendly shows with people who know even less than they do. And you know, they, they talk about these things and they try to sound deep. Um, if you press them ever so, so slightly, the whole argument will fall apart. But Jason, we, we talked about this the last time I was here and I talked about the ways in which the, the national character traits that we're sowing are going to lead to the undoing of our country. And the left has promoted and platformed people who, to their, to their credit, in some respects, have said, we want to dismantle, we want to destroy, we want to destruct, um, we need to reimagine. So every time they get on TV, they talk about tearing down what we have in this country so far. And they never really speak with specificity about what they replace it with, but it's always the, the anthem is racist. Our founding is racist. Um, Independence Day is racist. The, 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 you know, all of our sort of heritage and, and national traditions are racist. And, and when you say that, that means that you need to come up with new things. And I think this is, this is what you know, their, their end game is. They want to tear down the country that has been 
and try to recreate one that will be. Now, the problem is, to your point, they castigate, castigate slave owners, and obviously none, none of us are going to, to justify slavery. But these are people who think that ripping a child apart limb from limb in its, from, in its mother's womb up to the point of birth is some sort of social good. These are the people who use reproductive justice to mean killing an innocent child in utero, and they use criminal justice to mean saving uh, uh, a convicted murderer from being executed on death row. So, I mean, these are not the individuals that we should be looking to for moral guidance, but I mean, Elie Mastal is what the left likes, right? He's, he's, a, he's a face, he's a brown face with funny hair that has crazy ideas, and they know that they can trot him out, and a lot of the, the guilty white liberals who watch these shows will, will clap for him and say, you know, that his ideas sound sophisticated, but we, we know the truth. The, 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 the problem for me, and it's because, you know, I'm nearly, or I'm 15 years older than you, 16 years older than you, whatever it is. For, for me, it's like, I lived at a time where somebody like that would have come on TV, the Phil Donahue show. Phil Donahue, mm. I'm pretty sure, was a liberal. And the audience and Phil Donahue would have treated statements like that, like, this person's crazy, he's got crazy right. thoughts, he represents a little fringe element, blah, blah, blah. But, but you throw him on The View with a bunch of white women and Whoopi, uh, who, who changed her name to Goldberg to, you know. Right. Uh, so you throw him on that show and everybody just acts like maybe they're a little surprised, but this is like a mainstream idea that the, the Constitution, because of who wrote it, is trash and worthy of being completely written by people like Ellie Mistal. I, 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 I'm actually glad that they're being transparent and honest and we can quit tiptoeing around what the real agenda is. I want to apologize uh, to conservatives for my thoughts 10, 15 years ago. When, when mm. conservatives say, man, they want to take our guns away, they want to destroy the Second Amendment, I used to laugh, oh man, they ain't that crazy. They're, they're not like that. You're just, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're a nut job. It ain't just the Second Amendment. They want to throw the whole thing out and let Ellie Mistal and some elites and, and some transgenders rewrite the Constitution that, that created all this freedom that we're all enjoying. I'm, I'm glad they're out of the closet with it. I, I mm. don't, Ellie Mistal, and, and the only thing that really infuriates me is that they have this assault on the Constitution appearing to be black-led. Right. And it's not. It's the globalists, it's the super elite. The, the, Ellie Mistal, he, he just got two or three pieces of silver for doing that. The people mm. that gave him the two or three pieces of silver, like Jeff Bezos, they have billions of pieces of, of silver. And they're the ones putting these black faces, clowns out there to be the leaders of this revolution. And that America must be redone to make things right with black people or it's an evil country. That's the fact that we're being put out there like it's our idea and it's our yeah. goal and it's our agenda. 
That's what infuriates me. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we see um, sort of across the country and in different areas of, of culture and politics is that black folk are oftentimes used um, as a political football. And different groups, both on the left and the right, l like to wrap their ideas um, in brown skin and then try to beat the other side with it and say, oh, if you don't support this or if you don't believe this, then, then you must be uh, a racist. And, and the left does that, I mean, on a daily basis. Um, a number of people have started to, to sort of get hip to, to the phenomenon of seeing every new movement have to have a black face on it. So in the middle of the pandemic, when these magazines start to put, you know, larger women on the cover and say, this is what a healthy body looks like, the, the one that they typically would leave with was the, the cover with the black woman on it. As they've tried to, to normalize, um, you know, various aspects of you know, LGBT culture and lifestyle, and particularly the you know, transgender stuff, they, they want to wrap it in, in sort of in black skin, so to speak. Um, the other day I shared a, a picture of an actor named Lakeith Stanfield, who has played in a number of, he was in Get Out, he's, he's a, a recurring character on Atlanta. And he's sitting there, he's doing a photo shoot, he's sitting with his legs crossed and, you know, in some knee-high fishnet stockings or something to that effect. And the woman who I quote tweeted said something to the effect of, it's so important that, you know, black men embrace their femininity and, and some, some other nonsense. And again, you see time after time that they use our faces to push a particular agenda. But that, that agenda, Jason, it, it is never a life-giving agenda. And, and I, I hate to make this sound partisan, but everything the left touches as it relates to their policies and their norms and their worldview, almost, almost everything tends to lead to death, right? All of it. The abortion stuff, the the transgender, you know, uh, ideology. When when you when when the good guys are the ones saying that 15-year-old girls should mutilate healthy breast tissue, and then they say that the people on the other side who don't think that's a good idea, or you're just obsessed with teenagers' bodies. It's like no, I just I don't want people to harm themselves. Like we, I care about people, right? I I, I love people enough to want them to accept their bodies in the way that God created them, but Every time you turn around, it's they want to defund the police. You know, they have different ideas around criminal justice that lead to chaos and disorder. It really is a death agenda. And it's, it's hard to get around that. And so then when it gets to masculinity, it's, yes, let's show as many images of black men dressed as women and tell them that embracing femininity is, is really what black folk need, right? Let's, let's tell them that the black community doesn't need um, nuclear families to thrive, right? B black women can raise their children all by themselves. They don't really need black men. And you see this time and time again, and the, the biggest problem with it is that it tends to come from the intellectual class. So you have the worst ideas coming from the people that supposedly have the most education, and then they push those ideas down on the rest of the culture. And this is why, you know, so sometimes I'll shake my head when people think that you know, intellectuals, academics, folks in the media, what they do doesn't really matter. Oh, it's just words, they're just talking, it doesn't really matter. But it does matter because bad ideas, when they find fertile soil, tend to grow. And they grow into weeds that choke out 
you know, life-giving plants, so to speak. And, and we're all having to, to deal with that right now. So I think it's a perfect segue into the column you wrote today about Katanji Brown-Jackson. And, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of controversy about Tucker Carlson and the LSAT. And, and you wrote a, a powerful column that had this paragraph or sentence that I wish I had written myself, but I didn't. I'm not smart enough. Uh, the people and institutions who practice racial preferences under the cloak of affirmative action reap the benefits of being inoculated from charges of racism and sexism, but the people they claim to help often pay the cost. I thought that was powerful. I thought the following sentence after that was powerful. E explain your column and, and the justification for this sentence that I find brilliant. Sure. So I actually drafted this column um, before Katanji Brown-Jackson was named as the nominee. I drafted it when the president reiterated that he was going to pick uh, a black woman for the court and only consider a black woman for a court, for the, for the Supreme Court vacancy. And, and the, the premise of it is fairly simple, that individuals and institutions that practice this type of explicit racial preference, right, whether it's colleges, law schools, or, or the president, do so because of their own self-interest. And that self-interest could be political, it could be their, you know, academic institution's um, reputation, it could be economic, but th they sell it as something they're doing to be benevolent or altruistic, but it's really, when Joe Biden made this decision and he telegraphed it on the campaign trail in 2020, and said, you know, I commit to picking a black woman for Supreme Court. He was doing that to further his political ambition. And he was using black people, and particularly black women, um, in a way that, you know, he hoped would, would get out the vote, get them to support him. And obviously he's gonna have to, to hold to that because he, 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 he was on record of saying it. But my, my problem is when you do that, when you make a, a person's race and gender the most important qualifications for a particular position, then you invite the people who will criticize that person and say, well, they're not actually qualified. And in my piece, I made the point that just because you sort of focus in on a particular, on particular categories that you're looking for doesn't necessarily mean you'll get an unqualified person. So I use the example, the analogy, you know, if I, if I was writing a, um, doing a documentary on, on basketball and I want to pick the right person to focus on. And I said, they have to have gone to North Carolina University, they have to play for the Chicago Bulls, and they have to have worn a number 23. Now somebody said, well, that's unnecessarily specific. And that would be true, but if I end up with Michael Jordan, most people would say, well, I think ultimately you made the right choice, right? But, but that aside, what Joe Biden did is invite criticism of Katanji Brown Jackson that is not of her doing. Now, if people wanted to criticize her, her judicial record, the number of years of experience, or, or her judicial philosophy, that's fair game. And that's a standard that everyone has to abide by. But when you, when you say for the better part of two years, the only thing that you know about the pick is she's, she's going to be a black woman, then you end up empowering people um, who only want to criticize her or who criticize her because of those demographic characteristics. And one of those people, I, I thought the, the comment from, you know, Tucker Carlson on the LSATs was, was unfair to the nominee, partly because 
We don't ask that of anybody else. And in the same way, I don't believe in applying unequal standards when you're picking a person for a particular position. I also wouldn't apply them in terms of standards of, of scrutiny or evaluation. Nobody else's LSATs do we ask for. We don't ask for SATs or GREs or GMAT scores when a person has a, a large body of work and experience that could be judged, you know, on its own merit. But I, I put the the blame for that, for all of this criticism, squarely on the shoulders of, of President Biden. I'm going to push back and say this about the Tucker Carlson thing. I do think it's a question that doesn't get asked to others, but unfair questions and unfair accusations are commonplace in Supreme Court nominations and confirmations mm. and uh, politics is a full contact, dirty sport. It, mm. it, it's old school Dick Buckus football. And so if Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton can survive years of people speculating about who they did and didn't have murdered, uh, asking a Supreme Court nominee what her LSAT score is, th that's flag football, that's not tackle football. Tackle football is uh, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. Tackle right. football is, is what happened to Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas. Uh, and so, you know, somebody hit her with some flag football and we ran, oh my. And so either we're gonna be tough enough for political football, which is very rough, full contact. You can sit up and, and, and you know, you can question what, what country Barack Obama was born in. You can uh, call Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton murderers, basically. Uh, you know, LSAT, I, I, and I, I, I wrote a piece uh, the day before, Delano, where I, I acknowledge, you know, I scored an 880 on my SAT, graduated mm. Ball State with a 2.23, uh, and, and I could, you know, at right now with my level of accomplishment and my track record, I could care less if people ask me about it, talk about it, whatever, uh, and so I get it. I, I don't think the SAT scores and all that stuff are all that relevant, but I get why people ask. Uh, so, hey, I got to let you go because I got to get out okay. to Steve Kim. Uh, but fantastic job as always. Uh, I'm going to get you and uh, Royce in the ring at some point. I'm mm. going to let Shamika in the ring. We're just going to go full octagon and just let y'all wrestle it out. and Then we'll decide. But right now Let's you go. still have the belt. To beat the champ, <laughs> you, uh, to take the belt, you got to beat the champ. Uh, and you got to knock Respect. him out. It, it won't be by Respect. decision. All right, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Uh, awesome job. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit subscribe. Hit notifications. Uh, the Korean Co-Sell. little Westbrook talk. A little more J.R. Smith talk. It's my obligation. I hate discrimination. Raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to uh, Los Angeles, bring in uh, the Korean Cosell. Uh, Lakers uh, continue to uh, self-destruct. Russell Westbrook has an interesting uh, post-game exchange with a reporter. We'll get into that uh, in a second, but we're going to start with uh, J.R. Smith, uh, the Korean Cosell. I was told that 
you wanted to talk a little J.R. Smith and where me and Royce White started the conversation. I, I found much of what uh, J.R. Smith said in those excerpts pretty interesting. Uh, not 100% perfect, but at least he started down the journey of self-responsibility and promoting that to other athletes. Uh, what was your takeaway? Yeah, first of all, Jay, uh, I don't mind being delayed, even though my time's valuable. Don't ever, ever delay me behind Delano Squires. Oh, my, this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about big shoes. This is like the converse of, of like, Bob Lanier I got to fill. Okay, with that said, <laughs> the J.R. Smith thing. Uh, I just thought of terrible jokes and analogies. Yeah, I know. Let's I just leave it at that. I got it's the discipline now. I got the discipline yeah. now to, to That's the sign of growth. Now, Go ahead. Yeah. Going to J.R. Smith, when he says something about, you know, we're trapped in this Euro mindset, I'm thinking to myself, J.R., don't blame the white folks for this. Blame it on the Henny. Don't blame it on them. It's okay. But with that said, I thought the meat of what he said was spot on. And it's something that I've been saying for a while. And, uh, you know, you said about four or five years ago at your previous employer that the NFL employs or creates the most amount of black millionaires per year, right? So the average lifespan of a career is three years, maybe three and a half. But those who make it to the second contract have the ability to create some sort of generational wealth. So if you take a look at that league, and I've said this about a decade ago, and it harkens back to my conversation with Jim Brown, who did not believe in full assimilation but self-sufficiency. If you take a look at every NFL player, black, white, Hispanic, <laughs> one Asian, if they all decided that if I have the means to buy a small business, whether it's a Starbucks, a gym, or get a, a consortium of investors to buy land and property, and let's just say you buy a Starbucks franchise or any type of fast food franchise and some other type of small industries, and you employ five to 10 people. And if let's say four to 500 players did that on a yearly basis, look what kind of seeds can be planted over a decade. The progress, I think, in the beginning would be small, but how do you build a great big wall? You lay the first brick. And, and over the course of a decade, look what you would have throughout these communities that they say that they care about. I remember a couple years ago, Malcolm Jenkins and the NFL uh, basically extorting these owners for hundreds of millions of dollars. I thought that was high-priced, high-profile extortion dressed up as some sort of advocacy or activism. I have a question. Where did that money go, and what benefit has been really shown to these communities? I'm not comparing them to Black Lives Matter, but can you give me an example of where that money that the NFL owners gave to the players has gone to actually benefit the community at large? And I'm with you as it relates to your counter to Royce uh, White. Oh, I can answer that question. I can answer that question because th that's a Troy Vincent initiative, you know, basically okay. the number two man after uh, Roger Goodell. And he tweets out the little political gains, the little criminal justice reform initiatives that they fought for or whatever. But in terms of on the ground, real effective change, in the communities, no. They've had a handful of, they've influenced, allegedly, a handful of laws or whatever that, uh, again, NFL players involving themselves in manipulating the criminal justice system is stupid. 
yeah. because they're way out over their skis. The criminal justice system in every society and since the beginning of time has always been a complete hot mess and should be left to experts to manipulate and massage, not football players who, and again, this even reflects, I think what J.R. Smith said to Brandon Marshall and those guys is something that virtually all athletes, particularly over the age of 26, have thought about, they know it's true, but, but where they didn't go, and it's like where I would push a Brandon Marshall or anybody, is like, why don't we, we all know this stuff is true, why don't we take these actions? And I'm gonna tell you why they don't take the actions. They're led by social media, period, mm. end of story. Social media trumps what they know, and this is where I, I didn't get a chance to go with Royce because he said so many other brilliant things. They're led by social media and their agents, and their agents are predominantly white guys or uh, black guys fronting white uh, you know, agencies and, and or just, and again, because I don't think black-white is even really the issue. They're led by people who don't have a self-responsibility mindset. And so they tell them, they always point them to ownership and looking for some white savior uh, here on, rather than looking to themselves and looking to Jesus, they're looking for some white savior right here on earth to save them. And social media tells them that, that it's the responsibility of the white man to fix your problems. And so that's why they're constantly doing that. And that's why uh, J.R. Smith is in there saying, why are we going to beg the white man? You, you're worth 200 million, you've earned 150 million. You know, you, you could take, take $250,000 a piece from each of you and promote some real change yeah. in your community, but you're not gonna do that. You're going to, Mr. White folks, what should we do? And what can you pay for? Uh, and, what, and how can we call you racist? Uh, but again, Jr. said some good things. He was a little bit all over the map if you watch the entire interview, but I, I just want to applaud him and Brandon Marshall and that whole yes. little group for even just allowing that conversation to happen because it, it generally speaking does not. Uh, Steve, your Lakers remain mm. a hot mess. Mm. Uh, no Paul mm. George, no Kawhi Leonard, no Norman Powell, and the Clippers route? LeBron uh, James and Russell Westbrook, route, run it. Carmelo Anthony was out there. Dwight Howard was out there. Their, their little dream team of past Hall of Famers uh, got their butts kicked by Reggie Jackson, the baseball player, came out of retirement and dropped 36 uh, Mr. On March. Uh, and, and one of the Morris twins, I don't know which Morris twin that was. Uh, I don't know if it was Mark Key for, or Marcus, but... Uh, and then Russell Westbrook. Let's play the clip of yeah. Russell Westbrook's uh, exchange with a reporter after the game. Um, what did I envision? I suppose I would imagine some wins. I mean, you said based on what I envisioned. I want to know what you think I envisioned. I would, but I mean, you envisioned coming here and winning a championship, or at least being in the season over. It, it it certainly isn't on. Is the season over? No, sir. Thank you. I had no I had no expectations. See, that's why you don't know. You don't know what I envisioned. I had no expectations. I come into every situation um, the same. Uh, last four years of me, I've been on different teams four times. So, my envision of kind of thinking everything gonna be peaches and cream, I don't. That's not realistic. That's not life. 
So Russell oh. Westbrook came home to his hometown Los Angeles Lakers to play with LeBron James, one of the 10 greatest basketball players of all time, uh, Anthony Davis, one of the 10 most talented players in the league right now, and he had no expectations. He, he, whether they were six games below 500 at this point or 16 games above 500, he didn't know. He had no expectations. <laughs> you buy that? All right. First of all, in the immortal words of the old basketball philosopher Michael Ray Richardson, who said in his own inimitable, unique way, this ship be sinking. Jason, the SS Lakers are sunk. Oh, my. All right. I want to go a couple directions here. First of all, Russell, at this point, it is you. The common denominator of all these dysfunctional situations is you. Nobody else. And for him to say there were no expectations, if you look at the Las Vegas odds makers, and those are the real experts, weren't they among the top three or four teams uh, in terms of the odds to be a favorite to at least win the Western Conference, if not go to the NBA Finals and win it? To say that there were no expectations is completely disingenuous. The other thing, and I don't think we played this clip, Russell Westbrook said, yeah, we're having a little problem finding my role. You know, to go back to the ship analogy, you know the Titanic ran to a little small block of ice. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. And here's the thing that gets me, though, Jason. I'm more upset at the reporter. And I'll tell you why, as someone that I know was very combative, just like I was at times. When that reporter was asked by Russell, was trying to be all snippy and tough guy, is the season over? I would have said, yeah, it's over. It's done. And then when uh, Russell says, well, what, well, I had no expectations. And I would have said, excuse me, no expectations or low expectations. Because I'm just telling you, there comes a point in time, and I get it. I get it. It's easy for us to say we're not the beat guys. We don't have to be there every day. A lot of these NBA athletes, like Westbrook, are very lucky that we don't have old school reporters on the beat like Peter Vesey, your guy Mike Royko as a uh, columnist, People like Red Smith, T.J. Simers, T.J. Simers would eat Russell yeah. Westbrook alive. Right. And, and my view is there comes a point as a journalist, as a writer, you have to represent the feelings of the public. And I, and if, if you would have asked me, is the season done yet? Is it, and I would have said, uh, yeah, Chick Hearn just put it in the refrigerator. Lights are out, jello's jiggling, eggs are cooling, butter's getting hard. It's over. It's over. I'm sorry. I know I know Russell Westbrook may have not given you that 45-minute sit-down exclusive afterwards. Hey, buddy, he wasn't giving it to you anyway. There comes a point, and I've said this before, if you are not angering those you cover or irritating them, Jason, all you're doing at that point is public relations. Agree or disagree? Uh, I, dis I like your point. I don't think this reporter is the great jumping off point because based on today's standard, that reporter stood in there strong and didn't back down. Most, That's strong? Most, if that, if that, if that oh. had been one of these ESPN reporters, if that had been Malika Andrews, she would have apologized for even asking the question <laughs> and, and said, you know, sorry, Russ, you know, it would have been a, an apology. That guy stood in there and continued to ask the questions. Did he ask them the way that I would have or you would have? Maybe not, but most everybody else would have folded and apologized and said, Russ, you're right. This team has actually exceeded expectations and you've been awesome.
Jason, here's the point I want to make about the Laker Dream Teams. (laughs) The Laker Dream Teams have an interesting history. In 2004, when we got the glove and the mailman, they at least made it to the NBA Finals. Didn't win it all. It was disappointing. The Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe thing was kind of a disaster. This year is absolute Chernobyl, and I've never seen so much hatred towards the Laker team in all my years in this city. I still remember post-Magic Johnson how much the Lakers, when they rebuilt with the Lake Show under Dell Harris, with the young Nick Van Exel, personal favorite of mine, Eddie Jones, Eldon Campbell, Vlade, they weren't a great team. But you know what? There was unity. They played hard. They were fun. And they gave an honest effort. And where I wrap this around LeBron is, and you said this to me a couple of days ago, when LeBron first came to the Lakers, we actually had a nice young nucleus of young, fresh talent. I was kind of looking forward to seeing them grow together and see where this can go but the GM had to break it up, and this is where we are. I'm going to offer a slight defense of LeBron and his whole group and why, oh. you know, that, that Lakers, Nick Van Exel and those guys. I, I do think social media has such an impact on these guys' attitudes and magnifies things. They feel like they're living in a the Truman Show and in a bubble and 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 it's it's just is there seems to be more intensity and more heat and so players melt faster and we're watching Russell Westbrook just completely disintegrate the the the, the pressure bust pipes all of his pipes have bur- have busted I, I do want to make this final comment about the Hollywood James era uh, for LeBron James year one Lakers don't make the playoffs year mm. two they win the asterisk bubble title. Uh, right. Year three, uh, qualify for the first round, bounced uh, after playing in the play-in game. This year, I don't see them making the playoffs. Uh, and if they do make the playoffs, they'll get eliminated quickly. Uh, the Hollywood James there has been a failure. And yes. uh, I was one of the people uh, predicting that uh, at the outset, that he was out there for the wrong reasons. It wasn't about basketball. It was about being a Hollywood movie mogul and uh, empowering Rich Paul and his agency. And it just wasn't a basketball thing. It, he, he was buying into all the left wing stuff. It's, it's, it's put a little ding on the end of his career and his legacy. Russell Westbrook, uh, I think deservedly so, has had his entire basketball legacy undermined all the triple doubles and all that stuff mm. just don't have the same shine. Russell Westbrook was a gimmick that found a little niche little thing he could do, the triple double that made him famous and made him super rich and respected. He's not that guy. Bad attitude, uh, not about winning, uh, has never adjusted his style to become a winner. Uh, Steve, I got to let you go because uh, Shamika's got a question she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy, and I'm going to let her do it. Uh, get your fearless swag at shopblazemedia slash fearless, shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, Shamika's got a question she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy, and Uncle Jimmy wants to talk about his approval rating for J.R. Smith. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost 
in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, as I uh, told you all, uh, Shamika uh, called me this morning and said that uh, she had a question she wanted to ask Uncle Jimmy. And I said, ow! <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy, she's talking to me. I'm sorry. But I did repeat the story to you, so you, you did kind of, you were kind of, Shamika wants to ask me something? You were kind of excited. Uh, yeah, she thinks Uncle Jimmy is wise and old. I think he's just old. Beyond uh, my years. Yeah, she, she thinks you have some wisdom. Uh, and so she says she's got some specific questions she wanted to ask you before we got to the approval rating. Uh, so let's roll out to North Carolina and uh, bring in uh, Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, I hope you've been watching the entire show. Uh, uh, J.R. Smith, we had a very good conversation uh, uh, about that. And I, I know you got a little connection to J.R. Smith, don't you, of some kind? I do. JR attends the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, Aggie Pride. We are connected. <laughs> that's where, yeah, that's where Shamika went. And so maybe you can play a round of golf with him. JR is really into golf, but uh, uh, Shamika thinks you have wisdom. What, what did you want to ask Uncle Jim? You know Jimmy? I'm a little scared. You know, you know I'm a little, I'm a little. <laughs> well, it's, it's, so if Delano is the smartest man on the show, then Uncle Jimmy is the oldest. And I just wanted to tap right. into that elder wisdom. I came across the mm. video on social media and I just want to get Uncle Jimmy's take on it. First and foremost, I, I want him to tell me what he thinks. And so what are we looking at? Is that a little boy or a little girl? What is? That is a little boy swinging around what appears to be a stripper pole. Mm. And, and who put this video out? I don't know who put it out. Someone sent it to my inbox a few days ago. And then I noticed this young lady tweeted it yesterday. And I quote tweeted it, men, get your kids. But I'm having some people justify it and say, oh, it's just exercise. You know, he it would be like him swinging around on a merry-go-round. And if, I want to know what Uncle Jimmy thinks about it. Because sometimes, you know, I can be a little tough. I can be a little hard. So... 
let the elder in the room say what he feels. You got you got two young boys, not that young, but uh, Jim. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> Look, man, I don't like it. Shmick, you could have asked me a joking question. You didn't have to go there. I. This, what you want me to say about that, man? There's, there's nothing funny phone. about that. First of all, what parent would do that? You, you, you want your child to go viral for swinging around on a pole. You, 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 oh, I, I, what, 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 what happened? You took the kid to take your kid to work day? The kid went to work and saw his mama swinging around on a pole? What, 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 what is that, man? What's happening? What, what, what music was playing in the ground? If you want it, then you should have put a ring on it. If you want it, then you should have put a ring on it. Womp, maybe? What what he gonna yeah. say next, Shamika? He gotta make he gotta eat the booty like some groceries. Of course. That's what exactly what'll happen. He'll end up being Lil Nas X, but you know, I'm overthinking it. I'm looking too hard at it. And I just wanna know when the adults are gonna step up and put their foot down. Will they correct him now while he's able to be corrected, or will they wait until they're sitting in Magic City and he steps on stage and goes swinging around the pole and his balls hit him in the nose? What, 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 why is this okay? And why are we applauding it? simply as, oh, this is a little kid and, you know, it's innocent. Kids learn by Can observation, you? so he, he observed this somewhere. I have an answer for that. Jason told you earlier in the week, he said that in not too long, he, he made the prediction that pedophilia will be legal in America. And to me, this right here, this ain't nothing but a nice little advertisement for child pedophilia because this is going to be what the strip clubs is going to be coming to in the future. You're going to see little kids out there swim, swinging around the poles, as you say, naked. We're getting dollars, making it rain. Here's what I, I will say. Uh, not that you asked me, Shamika, but here's what I'll say. Um, my first thought was like, okay, if a kid was at home and they got some kind of pole, and again, maybe it's not a stripper pole, who, who knows what, what's in their basement? But the kid was- Fireman pole? Maybe, maybe it is, I, I don't know. And so maybe he is swinging around as some exercise, but where it crosses the line with me is, as an adult, you take that content and put it out over social media to attract people to look at your child in that way. If he were just at home getting some exercise and, and, and doing that or just playing around with his brother or sister or whatever, I don't think it would set off alarm bells. But then when an adult takes that and puts their kid out there in that way, that's what's troubling and alarming to me. And, and it's just, I, I wish, and again, y'all would know better than I would. But I would know. Are there parenting class? Yeah, no, 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 I'm just gonna say, uh, well, that's accurate. But are there parenting classes for, for because that's what I, I, I look at it's like, is anybody telling people how to actually properly raise their kids? Or, or is just everybody just makes it up on their own? And if, if it's TikTok or Reels or social media, because everybody has turned their kids and themselves just into social media content. And I just think it's inappropriate. 
I totally agree. I definitely believe it's inappropriate. And I would be okay even if it were a stripper pole. First of all, I agree with you, Jason. It definitely should not be on social media. But I would be okay if this mom had this in the house and she was using it for exercise or even for her husband. You know, I have no problem with that. But because he hit a stripper move, the spread eagle come upside down. I would know that's an actual stripper move and it's inappropriate for a young child to be doing that, especially a little boy. I would never have my kids on a stripper pole teaching them that move, never. And they are a lot older and they're females. So this was crazy to me. All right, well, uh, that was Ask Uncle Jimmy from uh, Shamika. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, uh, Shamika. This is what uh, happens when black fathers ain't in the home. Mm -hmm. well, those were white son, kids. You find your son, your son swinging around on the stripper pole. Those I'm were like, white That's kids. That's my boy. Those were white kids, but I, I hear you. <laughs> Again, this is what happens, and thank you, we can let Shamika. This is what happens, the emasculation of men and being run out of the house, and, 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 and then even if he is in the house, He's being told to trap into to tap into his feminine side, and and again we're just melding the races. You know, I'm gonna give you an example of something that you didn't ask for, but you know, I've been losing weight, and so I've been ordering new clothes, and so I ordered some jeans, and uh, they're the skinny jeans, and I put them on. And and they too tight, you know, too tight for me. And it's just like, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna go out here in these tight ass jeans like I'm a woman. I'm just not gonna do it. And so I'm just gonna eat. That you know, I got two pair of them. I think they cost around two hundred some odd bucks. You eat your way out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that is an option. Just to eat my way back up to a size 50 jean <laughs> instead of 42s, that, that is an option. But no, I'm just going to have to eat that money I blew on them. Can I say and, something to you about the skinny jeans? Because yeah. I was going to, I, 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 I saw what you was doing. I, I saw the little angle you was going. And I knew, the reason I knew you must have got them skinny jeans was because you took a shot at Antoine Walker. <laughs> At the beginning of the show, oh, Antoine looked like a former NFL player. <laughs> wait a minute, were you a former player, bro? <laughs> Not NFL, but I, <laughs> no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, here's the thing, though. Yeah. This brother get one pair of skinny jeans, and he come out here dressed like he a member of Boys to Men. <laughs> Old Town Philly going on. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, uh, we got to get to our approval. Let's rating. do it, buddy. Uh, or did anything happen on the show today that you found? Hey, man, I told you Royce is about that life, man. Ro Royce is about that life, man. We're going to have to have a single elimination tournament for the smartest man on the show because everybody wants Delano's belt. Hey, man, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I'm not quite positive. Hey, man, you know, Ro Royce been done... Hit him, hit him in the carotid artery, man. Come on, man. You're going to get Delano. And talk about, oh, we're going to all get the You didn't hear Delano talking about, oh, yeah, I'll be ready for that fight. <laughs> Delano's like, I will whoop his ass with intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on.
Come on, man. Let's go. Man. All right, let's do a job performance here for, uh, I mean, an approval rating for J.R. Smith, former NBA player who, if you watched the show, had some interesting things to say about athletes and how they should use their money and what. Anyway, it, I'm kind of inspired. I heard by, you. By, and so I had been very, very low on J.R. Smith. So uh, just remember when you hear these scores, I had been very, very low on J.R. Smith. He's starting to win some uh, support for me. But uh, job performance, uh, you know, he's a student now. He's a golfer now. And he's going on podcasts as NBA career. I'm going to give him a 10 in job performance. Okay. I think J.R. Smith, I'm going to be like J.R. Smith. I'm going to go kind of high. <laughs> hey, man, this dude's going to college. He's playing golf now. And if you heard how slow he was talking last night, <laughs> golf might be his sport. So, yeah, yeah, I give him, you know, 19 for job performance. Mm. Uh, uh, character, I had been much lower, uh, but I'm, I've moved him up to a nine in character. Uh, you know, he did a lot of stupid things when he was in the NBA, both on and off the court. Uh, but he seems to be on the journey. Uh, towards progress, and so I'm going to give him a 9 in character. I'm going to give him a 12, Jason, mm. because I watched him last night, and I listened to that whole interview. Hey, man, that brother suffers from delusions of grandeur, okay? <laughs> he said he could be a top 12 player, okay? So I'm going to give him a 12, because him saying he's going to be a top 12 player, that's like when you and I lived in L.A., and you're like, Jim, every time I turn around, People are calling me Denzel Washington. <laughs> Delusions of grandeur. <laughs> you know you called me Demzel Washington. Demzel Washington. Dem <laughs> Come on. That's like, you dummy. You called me a dummy at the same time. All right. Uh, authenticity. I think he's pretty authentic uh, and tries to represent who he is. Uh, he talked about, I don't know if you watched that whole interview, he yeah. talked about like, hey, man, I'm from the suburbs. And, and, you know, my father had me out in the suburbs, uh, but, you know, he had family in the city and that he'd go to the city or whatever. And so I think he's pretty authentic at 19. Okay. You, you, you give him, you say 19, okay. Often, I give him 15. You say he's taking responsibility for his life now. He tried to say he takes it. Oh, yeah, did he accept responsibility for costing the cast that game? Costing the cast that series? Did he take that? I saw that part of the tape as well. Uh, and... He, he had a long-winded excuse, sir. Jason, do you know how much money that play costs Uncle Jimmy? <laughs> you know how much money? Hey, man, roll that. Can we roll that tape? But just in case, for those of you that don't remember what it was he did, let's, let's go back and look. Hill misses. Rebound Rebound. goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith brings it back up. Throws it. Just block. And we'll go to overtime. You get the feeling J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. He no. didn't know the score. I think exactly. That's a bad mistake by J.R. Smith. Hey man, he ain't took responsibility for throwing that chunky, chunky soup all over that, all over that coach, has he? Okay, so what the hell he taking responsibility for? Ah, come on, man. It factor. What you gonna give him? A eight? Nine? I'm gonna give him a five. I'm gonna give him a five. Because if you ask me, the dude sound just like he did when he lost that game. Okay? And then I'm going to be honest with you, you talk about the it factor? Yeah. It factor still pissed me off. <laughs> okay? So I'm giving him five. You know why he gets five? Uh, Jason, I lost five large on that game. Five large. Pizzas? I know you didn't bet $5,000. I didn't tell you. <laughs> Remember you said you told your mama to go bet on, on Cincinnati and she didn't do it? Yeah. <laughs> I did it. 
Hey, I'm so so if I'm acting, hey man, I'm for real. You ain't heard me talk about making another bet. <laughs> All right, so overall, uh, I still have Jr. as a dumpster fire of 46. You got him a candle, but you got him out of the dumpster fire range. Good Look, man, I, I respect what he's trying to do, man. Hey, we're out of time. My microphone's back. Uh, so is playing. Yes. We'll see you not tomorrow, but on Monday. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'll break my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.